Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent interviews that have occurred on JM in the AM. Leah Shapira represented all five women who are responsible for the brand new Dinner Done cookbook. It's from Art Scroll. Don't forget, 20% off, plus free shipping, plus no limit on the 3,000 titles, including Dinner Done, when you go to artscroll.com and use promo code radio. So go to artscroll.com and always use promo code radio. Here's the conversation with Leah Shapira from a recent edition of JM the AM on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, we've been telling you that our friends at Art Scroll have been very, very busy with some incredible new publications. We had this conversation yesterday, and of course, we're going to have one today as well. Those of you out there who are uh, inclined to shop online, especially this time of year, Make sure to go to artscroll.com. All of their 3,000 titles, including the one we're discussing this morning, are available at 20% off with no minimum and free shipping if you use promo code RADIO. Don't fall into that category of uneducated shopper by not using promo code RADIO. Every time every time here at artscroll.com, and especially now with this incredible deal, make sure to use promo code radio and uh, and take advantage of all those all those uh, different uh, aspects of um, of savings that I just described a whole bunch of great stuff at the artscroll.com including all their brand new offerings well on the subject of brand new offerings uh, the way I've been made to feel over the last few days I am the luckiest person in the world that I get to discuss the uh, Incredible publication by the people behind Between Carpools. The book is called Dinner Done. It is an Art Scroll release. Practical recipes for your busy day. Credit goes to the people of Between Carpools, including Leah Shapira, Victoria Dweck, Renee Muller, Esty Waldman, and Shane D. Menzer. And uh, with us live via telephone is Leah Shapira on this Thursday morning. She's author of the best-selling Fresh and Easy Kosher Cooking and the co-author of the Made Easy and Secret Restaurant Recipes series. At Between Carpool, she continues to fuel her passion for creating great recipes and is the force that keeps the team motivated and moving forward. Leah Shapira, welcome to JM in the AM. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. A lot of cookbooks out there, and you have to, I'm sure you know that Art Scroll's done an amazing job over the last many, many years with some incredible cookbook releases. What makes Dinner Done a unique and different cookbook? Right. So I myself have written many books. So, um, you know, four years ago, I, was, I sort of semi-retired. I said that I think I wrote more cookbooks than I have children, and it's time to stop. <laughs> So I did say that I would write one more book, and it would have to be like a fresh and easy style, which was one of my first cookbooks, which is extremely practical kind of cookbook with everyday ingredients. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to shop around for ingredients. You should be able to find, you know, 99% of it in your pantry. And uh, the kind of recipes that I'm actually cooking these days, which is, you know, I have 30 minutes, got to get dinner on the table. I want to make, you know... The majority of the family happy with the recipes. There's always going to be one that's never going to be happy. And get them, you know, and really have everybody love the food that we're cooking. And it should be easy and simple to make. Is that the theme behind Between Carpools in general? That uh, life today is very rushed. Lots of things happening. People are very busy. And the most important thing 
is to get dinner on the table, not one that takes a couple of hours to make, but one that's uh, relatively quick to make. Right. So Between Carpool is a lifestyle site. So it's not only recipes. We give a lot of lifestyle hacks and tips. Uh, for example, we shared recently, like, you know, instead of the old-fashioned dust ruffles, you can buy these, like, you know, this bed cover that really looks nice. So we share those kind of things. But the idea behind Between Carpools is to make your is to help your busy life. Um, you know, we give you we give you the ideas. You don't have to search around for it. It makes your life, um, you know, better, prettier. We can even say, and um, that is really the ideal behind between carpools itself. Not to uh, we'll get back to the book in a second, but I looked at the website. It's a, it's a subtitled a lifestyle blog for the busy Jewish woman. And you know, one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people went through. Uh, during the era of getting to the web, and the website, by the way, is between car- is betweencarpools.com, for those of you who want to see it up close and personal. Uh, I think one of the dangers was that everybody was trying to be, even us here, frankly, with our website and our full network, we, we tried to be everything to everybody in the Jewish world. Here, you guys have, you ladies, I should say, have taken categories, Jewish, family, food, house, living, style, product, shopping, etc., and you've really covered all of them very well. I think that's unique. I think that's unique. I think most people over the years you know, had to streamline and really focus on one or two areas. It, seem you, it seems that you, have a, uh, you and your team have, a, uh, ha- have done just the opposite. You've really become uh, a go-to place in many different categories. Right, we have, but it's still, it's still niche. It's still, you know, targets a specific, you know, a specific set, uh, you know, um, you know, it is a Jewish lifestyle. You don't have to be Jewish to enjoy it, but right. we do, you know, do talk a lot about Jewish events and life, um, in life cycles. And um, it's really about the home and like really taking pride in what we do as Jewish women every single day. Right. And uh, of course, the app, I assume, follows the same format, right? Yes, correct. It's, just, it's you know, it's a more accessible, easier right. way to reach the website. Yeah, everyone needs an app these days, and the Between Carpools has one. Everybody, you can check that out and install it in your phone. And from what I know from the uh, from the uh, ladies in my family, uh, the moment they found out that Between Carpools was actually uh, meeting with Art Scroll and coming out with a project like this, they were very, very excited. So I would imagine that that's multiplied by many, many thousands around the world who are. Yeah, very... it's, it's been it's been insane. It's been just amazing. It's just a, a really great feeling. What's like how excited everybody was for it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And by the way, you have a great timeline. So people at the beginning of the book, people see how all of this developed from the website all the way until the uh, in, until the app, etc. And uh, your social media presence is basically about four years old, right? It's about four years that you guys are on social media. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and then that continues to be very strong as well, which is pretty impressive. And again, that whole timeline is there, folks. You could read it in the book. You know, once you get past that and you actually start the book, uh, it seems it seems that for at least a portion of the book, the star of the book is the nine by thirteen pan, and I and I wonder. And you literally have a a chapter. I mean, this is how the book starts. The um, yeah. the the dinner done uh, a book begins with an entire chapter not on chicken or desserts or meat or dairy but with a appetizers usually cookbooks start with appetizers correct but this starts we with don't what, even have that right this starts with what you could do in a nine by thirteen pan by the way I got to ask you was the photographer was the photographer irked at all that the <laughs> that the aluminum pad became such a a focal point of some of the photographs of the book. <laughs> So the photographers, there's five women on the name, uh, you know, five women named on the cookbook. Right. 
um, every single aspect of the cookbook was done by us. We're all, you know, Esty Waldman is our amazing, amazing photographer. Ah. She's part of the Between Carpels team. And um, she was, I, I, I don't think she was irked. I think she was excited. We, this is something that we love. This is something that our readers love. You know, dumping a 9 by 13 right. place it in the oven, and forget <laughs> about it. We have, a, you know, loads of, like, cakes and cookies. You don't have to use a mixer. You don't have to use, um, you know, anything but a spoon and, and a, you know, a measuring cup. And you can use a plastic cup if, you know, you can figure out how much is a 7 ounce and you need 8 ounces for a cup. Right. So. Understood. All right. Well, uh, some of these things intrigue me. Uh, you, you, the 9 by 13 life that's described, why do you recommend that a 9 by 13 pan that's been prepared with, you know, food that I assume is going to be frozen – why do you recommend that it be put in a resealable bag? Um, you know, you know, you remember those foods that you have like a free, like a burn, like a freezer taste to it. Sure. Well, this pretty much avoids it. If you're making anything that nine by thirteen, we have a chicken that you can actually prepare with potatoes raw. Put it in the freezer, so you place it into like a two-gallon bag, which is like the hollow size bag. Nice, and um, that really seals it off nicely, That's and a- it's the perfect size. You don't have to wrap it in like ten layers of silver foil yeah. and um, you know aluminum and and you know plastic and. Yeah, it's I, just like a, an I, easy hack. I, I got it for people who are, uh, you know, who, who are cooking in Jewish homes. A lot of stuff that goes into the freezer, so why not avoid uh, that taste and that freezer burn? Now, you also the nine by thirteens. You know, for a novice like myself, you know, who who knows specifically which pan I'm supposed to buy when they're on sale, did not realize that the nine by thirteen has both a shallow and a deep pan. And you remind people that there are times you don't have to work with the deep one, and the shallow is good enough, right? Right. Well. We recently, uh, you know, they always say that people are, you know, uh, we saw a guy standing in the grocery and um, he was like, what is a 9 by 13 pan? My wife said I need to buy a 9 by 13. And then somebody else looks at his tape measure and you actually measure it. And, you know, <laughs> this is like, this is life changing for us. They're not actually 9 by 13. <laughs> what are they? Do you know what the real measurements are? <laughs> I think it's like something by 12 inches or something, which is ridiculous. But we're not going to change the name. This That's... is what everybody knows. It's called 9 by 13. <laughs> yes. and- we're going to stick to that. That's actually hilarious. And one more from this whole list you have, and, and it's such a good practical one, especially for those of us who sometimes are assigned to get things out of the freezer. You remind people to label the sides and not the top. A lot of people like to write with Sharpies on the top of that aluminum foil, and you're telling people, do it on the side because often it slides into the freezer that way. Right. So you see, we, we did share a loads and loads of recipes and little hacks, which is yeah. what makes between carpels between carpels that just makes your life simpler, yeah. uh, you know, easier. Believe me, I went through this and I get it. I get why this makes your life is simpler. Dinner Done is the book done by the uh, people at Between Carpools. Leia Shapiro is one of them. She's with us live via telephone. So that section, we should just make clear, which opens the book, has a lot of chicken recipes, got some vegetable recipes, but you're also doing desserts in these 9x13s. So a lot of the stuff that uh, that people might expect to find toward the end of a cookbook, you're actually going to you feature at the beginning of it, right? Right. At the end of the dessert chapter, which is a small chapter because, you know, this is a dinner cookbook. This is not, you know, right. just an everything cookbook. But um, these, the ones in the 9 by 13, really, the few that we have on our website has really gone viral because a seven-year-old can literally make it. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. You just put, put everything in a pan, and it's it's really simple. All right, let's go through. Let's go through some of these. I mean, there's a there. I, I like to uh, when I speak about cookbooks on the air. I like to point out some of the things that uh, that uh, you know that I find interesting. Tell me about. Yeah, this. I don't know if you want to point out, but we have loads of chicken cutlets, and Victoria Dweck, who's really the writer on the team, and you know edited the whole, you know the book. 
She told me, Leia, if you write one more chicken cutlet with breadcrumbs, <laughs> I am banning you from our cookbook. And I assume... But I think that's a family... I think that's what kids like to eat, so what? I wrote both the versions. Well, I assume when it, what you're referring to is when you see garlic sesame schnitzel and teriyaki schnitzel and grilled chicken schnitzel, uh, and even to an extent pretzel chicken and cereal fried chicken fingers, when you see all of those, you're, you're, you're putting that in that category. Uh, and yeah, I think you're yeah. right. I think the kids and, and really all family members like to eat them, frankly. A lot of good stuff yeah. there. Uh, and, and, and frankly, when it comes to the quick recipes, right, you'd have to assume that there's going to be a lot more chicken quick recipes than meat ones. Am I right about that? Right. It's also more, you know, budget friendly and, um, you know, it's more of a weekday night kind of, uh, you know. Oh yeah, I got it. All right. Everyone, many people know about how much I love chicken wings. Tell me about the mildly spicy slow cooker wings. What's unique about that one? All right. I don't know if I should say this on radio. I do not eat wings. <laughs> However, yeah. um, I, is, I, I, you know, Renee Muller wrote the recipe, and I told Renee that we really, you know, her kids love chicken wings. Her family loves chicken wings. And I said that I think that we need one that is a little less babysitting. You know, you don't have to fry. You don't have to, like, be busy broiling it in the oven. Or, um, and we came up with this concept of doing a crockpot one, which is a little different than the classical crockpot recipes. And it's really been popular, too. Yeah, well, I'm a big wings guy, and uh, uh, I, I know just how delicious they are, and i got to try that recipe. Tell me about the meat pizza that kids love. I guess the assumption is that not all kids like meat, but this format might get them to actually eat it, right? So I, I think... Um... I think Victoria came up with all the names. She's, she does like, you know, she gets you to look at it. You see, that was the point. A hundred percent. Are you kidding? It's, it's, all, it's, all, it's all about the titles. It's the one, It's the titles that intrigue me. I need to know what salad pizza is. I mean, can you tell me what salad pizza is? Salad pizza is really, really not appreciated enough, I think. <laughs> it's just the combination of, some, you know, two great foods, salad and pizza. And it really, you know, um, I think it's not... It, it it should be it should be more recognized, and I think now by putting in the book, it it will be now. Well, I would so hope so. I would think that uh, with all the people that are buying your book, they're going to try all these recipes. Frankly, uh, so the meat pizza that kids love again that would hopefully attract the kids to a dish they normally wouldn't eat. The salad pizza you're saying don't be intimidated by the title. It's two great two great elements together that people will enjoy. Uh, and then you have a fi- a fish recipe that looks absolutely incredible. I happen to love fried fish, like most human beings, I would think. And this battered fish sandwich, I don't know if you're responsible for it or one of your colleagues is. But it looks simply remarkable. Right. Flip the page to the one right before. You see like a fish and chips, which is actually baked. Yeah. Which is a little different than the classical. And there's like a salt and vinegar uh, chips next to it. Yeah. And those and those chips, are, those chips are like, it, it looks to me like it takes some effort to make those chips. Those are not re- tr- traditional French fries. Uh, no, it's all in the oven. And, um, and it's just like, you know, think about those like, Bags of salt and, salt and vinegar chips that you open up, that's the concept in a potato. So. Right. Now, for those of us who enjoy poke bowls, and you know how popular they are now, what's an almost poke bowl? Why would we call something an almost poke bowl? Well, I think traditionally it's raw fish, and this is, <laughs> isn't raw fish. So, you know, we... We almost made it. <laughs> right. It's almost there. <laughs> most most people might not have the nerve to call it a bouquet bowl without the fish there, but I guess <laughs> I guess if you say almost, then why not? You know, on your website, I was going to tell you that if you or any of your colleagues ever visit this studio to see me or, 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 um, or Naomi Nachman or Miriam Wallach or anybody who's into food, 
Uh, there's something on your website right now called the completely incredible apple cobbler cinnamon bun pie. You, in fact, on the website declare that, that believe it or not, yeah, that's actually the name. Now, that, yeah. a, am I right or not that that is not included in the, in the cookbook? Am I right it's not in the cookbook? That is not included in the cookbook. It's not. So what's the, clo- uh, that- what, what's the closest cinnamon bun item in the cookbook? Is it the garlic knot buns? You know what it is? It's that you're not going to make a cinnamon and almost, yeah, I can't even remember the name, but um, <laughs> an almost cinnamon cobbler, apple cobbler for dinner. It's a little more involved. There's like three steps. The dinner cookbook is simpler recipes that you they know that so you the take... ingredient list is pretty short. You know, there are a few recipes that are a little longer for more, you know, elegant dinners or Hanukkah or special times. Right. But the general rule is that they're quicker, they're shorter. If it took too long or if it was more complicated, we did not include it in the cookbook. So basically, and that recipe is a little more complicated, and that is for, you know, a great Friday night, um, Hanukkah. Friday night? It wouldn't make it. If you if you showed up here in the morning, it would never make it to the nighttime. That thing would be consumed immediately. That looks so delicious. And it is called the Completely Incredible Apple Cobbler Cinnamon Bun Pie. So what you did was, or what the, the ladies of... Uh, of dinner done have done is you've used the format of the cinnamon bun pie and you've created garlic knot buns, right? You've basically taken an item that, especially the kids like, I mean, everybody likes garlic knots. Uh, everybody but, likes garlic buns. We, no one discriminates against garlic. Right, knots. exactly. So you've basically taken it and you made it look like and, and, and act as if it's a, a cinnamon bun, right? That's sort of what and it looks like. Mu- and it's much faster. Usually garlic knots, you have to like tie each knot. Right. You, know, you, you tie into a knot. And you have to bake it separately. Here you're rolling like a jelly roll style and slicing it, so that makes it quicker too. Very cool. Uh, and finally, uh, on this section, I got to tell you, you mentioned Hanukkah a moment ago, so I will tell mm-hmm. you, I will tell you, which because a lot of people like to eat dairy on Hanukkah, both for tradition and because it tastes great, right? Uh, right. The, the cheesy sticks. I have a feeling that these cheesy sticks are going to make it into the uh, Siegel household menu. Uh, for Hanukkah five seven eight one, tell me. I, I think I think it deserves a place. It, yeah. really, it deserves a place. It's there. unbelievable, and, it, and it, I don't know. It looks like pizza, but you, you you look at the recipe. It has so many amazing ingredients in it, and obviously perfect if you're trying to you know uh, if you're trying to uh, serve a great dairy uh, a dairy dish during Hanukkah. Everyone can check that out when you get the book. It's page one seventy eight for the cheesy sticks. One seventy eight with the rotev. You forgot the rotev. That is a very important part about it. You know, in Israel they serve pizza with rotev pizza. Uh, they, pizza, which is like a mayo mixed tomato sauce based, and that is really, you know, the best part about pizza. Well, I'm turning there right now. That's the um, that's the section where you actually, what did you call this section? What was it? Dips or condiments? Condiments, right? In the condiment section, you could actually you actually have it there, and you tell people how to how to make it. And uh, yeah, boy, looks pretty good. I'll tell you that much. Your photographer did a really good job. Uh, the book yeah, is- and the stylist. Oh, there's also a wow. You need a separate stylist for the food. Yeah, that's today. Yeah, um, that's... The stylist is also on our team, Renee Muller, and she's phenomenal. She styles the Mishpacha magazine weekly, and um, she made it. You know, the photos, if you look at it, it's really approachable, but still absolutely gorgeous. You know, projects are hard to do with a partner, projects are hard to do with one other person. What's it like when you're working right. with four others? And during COVID. Yeah. So we started, we were supposed to shoot right after Purim, but, you know, the world shut down. We shut down. We, you know, I even told the art school that I don't know if we can come up with a book. How are we supposed to do this? Everybody's home, and we were supposed to start shooting. So the first opportunity that people started going out, which a few weeks after Pesach, we, you know, we expanded our circle, our inner circle, to three of us, 
you know, right. with masks and gloves. And it was, we took lots of photos and stayed far apart. And then, you know, then it started outdoors a little bit. And then we sort of, our, our circle expanded. So we, you know, we stopped keeping these rules between us three. But at the beginning, it really wasn't, it wasn't as simple as like a regular photo shoot. Yeah, I can imagine. Boy, oh boy, what a time to make a project like this. And, and forget about COVID for a second. You know, when you're dealing with five people, you know, people come from different angles and from different backgrounds and with different interests and with different opinions about what, you know, how things should work in a book or any project. I mean, the- right. So here it's very clear. Everybody has a specific talent and we defer to that talent. I'm not going to argue with Esty Waldman about the light. I don't understand right. much to it. Right. I can suggest, but at the end it's her, you know, she makes the decision about that. Same with the styling. Um, the recipes we all created together, but you know, at the core of it, I was in charge of making sure that there's enough variety and, um, and, and, and the kind of recipes that I think that people will eat. So that was, you know, on my shoulders. And at the end of the cookbook, yes, we were a bit like sisters, you know, telling each other things, um, you know, <laughs> with love and saying, okay, you got to move. You're blocking the light. You know? <laughs> I get that. Uh, all right. Two more things. Two other sections that I think make this cookbook unique. And I remind everybody the book is called Dinner Done. Art Scroll has it. Go to artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio. You have two pages entitled For More sweet things and frankly i mean you have a, a whole bunch of stuff here like 10 or so recipes and, and they're not really um a recipes the final product of what the final product from the recipe earlier in the book looks like and again you know that nine by 13 or at least the majority of them are in that nine by 13 pan did you just want to i don't know give everybody uh, you know a, a, an idea of you know when you're when you're looking for a sweet thing or for a nice dessert to do easily you know here's just a a two-page compendium of everything in the book and how they look so we did that at the end of every chapter. At the end of meats, we said you might have missed these two, three meat recipes that were a 9 by 13. Or, you know, uh, if we did it at the end of chicken, we said there's also a chicken salad in the salad section. So it's sort of a way that if you're looking by, oh. we have, you know, chicken, meat, yeah. sal- you know, soups and salad. So if you find it in another chapter, you can find, you know, we, we tell you where it All is. All right. I see that now. Strange that I was attracted to the dessert page, huh? Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Unusual. And finally, yeah, very unusual. <laughs> very unusual. And finally, yeah, as I'm begging you to bring in those cinnamon buns, very unusual. And finally, uh, you have, and, and this is really cool, and frankly, for someone like myself who who is nothing less than intimidated by a kitchen, I mean, you know, people make fun of me that, you know, it's you can, you can imagine what's on the list of things I can make in a kitchen. It's very limited. When you have on page 308 a whole bunch of two-ingredient recipes Frankly, this is not just, you know, to make life easier. This is for the beginner, you know, who is intimidated in the kitchen to, to start getting used to following a recipe, even if it only is two ingredients. Right. So we didn't talk a lot about a lot, a, a, a lot about it because, honestly, it's not the healthiest kind of recipes when it's two ingredients. Mm. When we're telling you to dump a sauce. However, it is a great, like, hack when you have literally not even 30 minutes. You have five minutes. And, um, and for beginners. So it's and it's it's designed beautifully by a designer that's on our team too, and um, it really it really is, you know, like you say, real beginner ideas. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a really good opportunity because I think that that's the progression. One of the reasons people are intimidated is because they see a list of ten ingredients and instructions. They have no clear clue where to start. Here, you you have right. a, you have actually a you know a short recipe that hopefully after two ingredients, someone can graduate to three, four, five, and eventually following a cookbook and putting together some really good stuff. So, 
Yeah, and, and you know those two ingredient recipes, they really taste great. I, we wouldn't put in a recipe that didn't taste great. Believe me, I saw the sauces and the ingredients, and yes, I can imagine just how good they are. They really look great. And by the way, a shout-out to page 172, the ultimate white pizza. There are people in this audience who love white pizza. Yours is really enhanced with some great ingredients and some wonderful upgrades, so people should check that out. It's called Ultimate White Pizza. I could point out every single recipe in this book, but we are limited, of course, uh, and we've only got the opportunity to point out a few. It's called Dinner Done, Practical Recipes for Your Busy Day. Leah Shapiro with us via telephone. Uh, her partners in this amazing project, Victoria Dweck, Renee Muller, S.D. Waldman, Shane D. Menzer, all comes from the brand that we call Between Carpools. They've got a website, Between Carpools. They've got a plenty of social media that many of you are better following already uh, called Between Carpools. And as we said, the book is a uh, is an Art Scroll production, which means that if you're a JMAM listener, you're very lucky because you save 20% plus free shipping, uh, plus no minimum when you order any of the 3,000 titles at artscroll.com. And today, of course, you want to order the book called Dinner Done from the folks at Between Carpools. Go to artscroll.com and use promo code radio. Leia Shapira, it must be a sigh of relief for you and the ladies to see this on bookshelves and to know that people are buying it online. Yes, I say I, I say that we're sort of up to like the brisk stage. We had the baby <laughs> and now we're just rushing around, you know, I'm talking to you between carpools actually, because you know, you're when they called me up and they said eight thirty, I said that is literally between carpools for me. And um so we're still, you know, getting to that, you know, still rushing around and taking care of little things. It's actually pretty funny because when I was told you had to be scheduled for 820, I, I actually said, I wonder if that's between carpools. And sure enough, you've now <laughs> confirmed that. Uh, what a pleasure yeah. speaking to you. Mazel tov on the book. Please send regards to all the ladies. And uh, we'll follow We'll follow everybody on social media and the website uh, called Between Carpools. Congratulations on Dinner Done. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. Leah Shapira, the book is Dinner Done, everybody. Check it out, artsgirl.com. Always use promo code radio. You will not regret it. That I can guarantee. More coming up. It is a Thursday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Leah Shapira. Get the book by going to artscroll.com and use promo code radio. Next up is author Naftali Horowitz. The book is entitled You Revealed. It's also an, old, an Art Scroll publication. Go to artscroll.com, use promo code radio, and save 20% plus free shipping. Plus, there's no limit, no minimum. Uh, check it out by going to artscroll.com and using promo code radio. My conversation with Naftali Horowitz is next. The book is called You Revealed here on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Round the world the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Tomorrow on this program, Leah Shapira, who's from a uh, a group of five women who have a... Um, who have a social media presence, a social media handle known as Between Carpools. She's going to be our guest in the 8 o'clock hour. The book is entitled Dinner Done. It's a brand new cookbook. Our friends at Art School are responsible for it. As we've been mentioning right now until the 21st of December, all the way through Hanukkah, if you use promo code radio at artscroll.com, it is 20% off and free shipping with no minimum. Yeah, talk about Hanukkah gifts. Art Scroll is giving everybody a Hanukkah gift with this promo code. Again, use promo code radio, um, 20% off, free shipping, and no minimum on any of the 3,000 titles, including the brand new books 
at artscroll.com. So keep that in mind as we introduce uh, today's um, book feature. Uh, Naftali Horowitz is with us live via telephone. This would qualify, by the way. His book would qualify for that incredible deal from Artscroll. Naftali Horowitz is with us live via telephone. The brand new book is entitled You Revealed, A Torah Path to a Life of Success. As a managing director of the nation's largest investment bank, Rabbi Naftali Horowitz has learned a lot about the nature of success. He's from a great rabbinic family. He's also a man with a mission to help Jews in any way he can and help them he does. He's a Magid Shir. He's someone who's very active in Kiruv. He he guides literally tens of thousands of people to a greater understanding of themselves, their challenges, and their hidden potential, both in face-to-face meetings and in his popular lectures. The book is entitled You Revealed, A Torah Path to a Life of Success. Naftali Horowitz, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. What a pleasure to speak to you. I appreciate that very much. Uh, Although you cover a lot of the answer in the book itself, let me start by asking, why did you write the book? I wrote the book because there was just so much I wanted to teach people in my lectures and when I met with them, and just time was of the essence. I just couldn't get it all out. And I just realized that as life was going on and responsibilities were growing, I just needed to create some kind of mechanism to be able to teach people much more than my time allowed. You know, so I took the time that, it, that I needed to write that book, and I think the second reason was is that it was a lot more in me as I write in the book than I knew, a lot more information, a lot more tire, many more strategies that I, I just wasn't bringing to the forefront because I hadn't sat down and really contemplated about what was working for the people I was helping and what I was wor- what was working for myself and in writing the book I pulled a lot more out than I than I knew was there you make it clear uh, that on the assumption let let's operate on the assumption for a moment that this is a <laughs> that this is a self-help book let's let's assume for a moment that it falls into that category and I think even you'd agree that to an extent uh, you'd have to say that that it falls into that category I hope you agree with that uh, you, you make it clear in the book that um, that a that a book like this that's out there to help people, uh, when it when it's uh, when it's coming to someone from an approach of Torah, when it's coming to someone with a uh, with a Torah path, so to speak, as you write on the cover, uh, it is much more valuable than the traditional self help books that are out there. In fact, I might argue, based on the way you write, that you have very little respect. For, for books like that that are not steeped in the Torah tradition. Would that be accurate? So I wouldn't use the word no respect, but I would say the following, that the Rabbani Shalom put us on this world to succeed. The Rabbani Shalom put us on this world with components that are there to help us succeed. Those components for us Torah Jews are components of a different nature than what traditional secular self-help books are meant to touch, enhance, and align. So the answer is, for a Torah Jew, Torah is the only answer. The Rebbe Shalom didn't put us on this world to live successfully pulling information from secular sources. Torah is what heals the soul, Torah is what aligns the person, and Torah is what supercharges them. So there are self-help books that are helpful 
to gain information about certain specific components of successful living. Uh, you know, so if a person has a certain issue and it's, you know, overcoming a certain idea, um, there, Chachma Begayim Taman, there's no question about it. Right. But what this book is trying to achieve is a much deeper component of self, the component that really makes us who we are. And for that, we can only turn to the Torah. Understood. All right. So, th- so if you find out that someone has more self confidence or has changed their life or has gone about personal relationships differently based on books that are out there, that would not shock you. There are people that are telling good stories that are inspiring people through different means, and they're able to reach them in that way. But Torah, you would argue, and I, w- I would not argue with you on this, is on a completely different level and really has the deep. Uh, understanding and the deep possibility to change someone from within, as you say, you revealed, and you mentioned this in the book. Like you're talking about the the real you, the essence of you, can be changed if you use a Torah approach. Correct. The other thing I'd argue, Nachum, is we have the greatest psychologists in history, in our ancestry. You read Revolba, you read um, Rav Dessler, you read uh, the Sifte Chaim. You read the Chavis Olavavis. I mean, I always tell people, if, if I translated the Chavis Olavavis into pure English, took all the Torah out, and put it out there with Double Bay or Penguin, it would be a bestseller. Right. There, 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 our our Mestorah has so much deep psychology in it. Right. And and so why why not? Why right. not learn so- it? It's- so, so feel the soul at the same time. So, someone who gravit, someone in our community who understandably would gravitate to a therapist, and I'll use that word with a small t for a moment. You know, somebody who they bounce things off of would gravitate toward that person. You know, and and, and be, because because you would assume that that the more they are familiar with our way of life, the more they're familiar with how our family and 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 uh, and tradition works, the the better off you are going to someone who understands that. The more that person. Is steep, like you just said, you know, as as if they are educated by the uh, the Bali Musser, as if they're you know have a deep Torah understanding of so many of our great rabbis do. The more they are steeped in that, it is very possible the more they're going to be able to help people in our community who come to them for advice. Unbelievable that you said that. I've had over the years many therapists call me um, because I've I've met with people who needed help. And they were being seen by therapists, and and the therapist called me and said they met with you two or three times, and I the, the results were remarkable. What are you doing? What are you telling them? And I and I've educated many therapists on how you can you can embody both Torah and traditional therapy all in the same. Right. Many therapists have bought this book. Many therapists have written to me. Ideas such as such as quieting the mind, ideas of, of developing mission and meaning in life, these are, these are such deep concepts that change the mindset of the person. So I encourage therapists to read this book and then look back at the Torah and say, even though you went for a secular education, there's so much that the Torah has that can help you help others. Naftali Horowitz is with us. The book is called You Revealed, A Torah Path to a Life of success. Now, I, I don't know you well. Essentially, we've only met in this unusual forum, frankly. Uh, but it's well known that you're managing director of the nation's largest investment bank, and obviously, you're surrounded by a lot of what people would call material success. Can only someone like you 
write this book? In other words, I understand that you're th- the point you're making that someone who's steeped in Torah and has has been enveloped by a Torah atmosphere their entire life can give the best advice when it comes to someone searching for you know the inner self. I get that, but are you? I, maybe I should put it differently. Are you at an advantage? Because you have dealt really with both worlds, and you come from our tr- traditional background, but in addition to that, you have been in the you know the the real action-packed world of finance. Is there a tremendous advantage to having you as the author, having been in both arenas? That the answer is undoubtedly yes, um, because uh, for a few reasons. One is. I have the credibility. There are things that I write in that book about the material world where, you know, when my Rebbe's used to tell me that money doesn't buy happiness and that there's really nothing to it, I, you know, we always thought in the back of our minds, maybe subconsciously, of course, because he doesn't have any and he doesn't come across it. Right. Well, I can write an entire book on that one chapter alone, which I touch on in the book, because I've seen it all. Um, the second reason is is that, you know, I remember I was once teaching a care of class in the city, and I was talking about the real world, the real world, and some guy got up in the back of the room and says, Rabbi, what do you know about the real world? He didn't know who I was. And I said, what don't I know about the real world? And I let him know what I do during the day. So that, that I think, is one reason. The other reason is, is that because I am who I am, people come to me, people um, want to hear what I have to say. Unfortunately, sometimes people want to hear what a managing director, J.P. Morgan, has to say more than a pulpit rabbi. And I understood that when I was young, which is probably one of the reasons that, one of the things that drove me to do what I do, which is you can effectuate more change from the corner office than you can from the mailroom. Right. So I have met with thousands of people, and I have helped all those people through issues and they came to me because of who I was. And had I just been a Torah Jew alone, I'm not sure they would have come to me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, many people would enjoy hearing, you know, a star basketball player who's now from talk about Frumkite compared to exactly. compared to hearing a rabbi talking. You've got a certain level of celebrity, Naftali Horowitz. What can I tell you? <laughs> and, that, and that and that attracts people uh, to hear what you have to say. Now, you, you got to, I mean, there's, there's so much, as I said to you off the air, there's so much I could discuss. I think we could do a 10-part series, frankly, on so many of the things you write about. But we have limited time this morning. But I got to get to this. You know, you just, what does it mean? What does it mean that money doesn't buy happiness? Is the opposite true? Are most of the people you deal with who have millions in the bank, are they depressed? Are they sad? Are they, are they dissatisfied with life? What is there a balance where someone can just, you know, money may not be buy happiness, but thank God, nonetheless, they're able to find happiness from other avenues. How would you Describe the 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 um, Rashi and Tosfos on that famous money doesn't buy happiness. It's a great question, Nachum. So I have very very happy clients. I have very very fulfilled clients. I have very very depressed clients and empty clients. I have come across some of the most extraordinarily wealthy people that are so miserable and some of the most extraordinarily wealthy people that are so fulfilled. It isn't the money that is bringing the happiness and the fulfillment. Money is an enabler. Money is a, something that you can set your sights on and say, I want it, 
But the question is why? If a person lives with a higher meaning to their life, with a higher purpose to their life, money can facilitate so much fulfillment and happiness. You can give so much more. You can, you can help so many others. You can do so many meaningful things with money. Or money can become a goal which destroys your entire life. It can become this thing that you believe is going to bring happiness and fulfillment to you. And then when you get it, you find the opposite. You, find like you, you feel like you were tricked, and you feel empty, and you feel like you wasted your life. So the clients that I work with that are extraordinarily happy, fulfilled people are those that leverage money, and they do so many great things with it. They leverage fame and do so many great things with it. You talked about the basketball play that became from. I have clients that have gone through such incredible things with their fame and their recognition. They've helped so many people. They sit on so many boards. They're the, they're the chairman of organizations. People come to them for advice. They don't have a minute. I have clients that are retired that don't have a minute. They get up 6 o'clock in the morning and they go to sleep at night exhausted. Their phones don't stop ringing. You would think that these people are coasting through their, their retirement years, and they're so busy reaching out and helping others. And, and, providing, and, and when they say and, nothing makes them happier than to do that, they, they mean it. It's not a line. They, they really mean it, because until you've tasted real happiness and fulfillment, and you've bought into the four-paw, fake, transient, artificial one that a quick fix money could buy you, you don't really know. You're not a connoisseur. So I work with some of the most incredible people, some of the most successful people, people that I've learned so much from. And, yes, they are wealthy. But I could tell you that I've learned just as much from some of the poorest people that I know. Yeah. Now, people I, that live every day yeah. and I was like just, it's their last, and, I was, and they take advantage yeah, of and, time. And I was just thinking of some of the people I know from this neighborhood, frankly, who are among the happiest I've ever met and have no money in the bank, but never stop doing things for others, and that's what makes them the happiest. So I guess it's like that exactly. at every level. Uh, exactly. And um, and the, the I mean, I, mean I, I actually saw a story once, which I found to be unbelievable. I, I, I watched a story, a documentary, about somebody who was homeless and won the lottery, and I'm not talking about $3 million, not like $100 million, and, yep. and lost it all. And his daughter was interviewed, and she said he was never happier than when he didn't have to worry about that money. He was happier being on the street without anything in the bank than when he had the $100 million and took a week to go through it. <laughs> it's a chapter in my book, Nachum. It's a chapter in my book about the lottery curse. And right. it's, such a, it's such a powerful idea. It is such a powerful idea on why that's true and how many clients have told me over the years Couples, we were so much happier when we had so much less. What a powerful statement. What, what an unbelievable quote. Naftali Horowitz is with us. The book is called You Revealed, A Torah Path to a Life of Success, um, an Art Scroll release. And please, folks, when you order it today, artscroll.com, use promo code radio. It's only to your advantage. Um, you know, I don't want to give people the impression that this book is all about money and happiness. There's so many other things you write about and and... And frankly, if I had to pick one word to describe this book, it would be potential. I, I think you're trying to help people reach their potential. You're trying to give them the confidence they need. You're trying to give them the tools they need. 
to to really you know push away all the negativity and all the negative things that are in the way and and realize full potential. You know, uh, Dennis Prager always says happiness is a choice. I, I I think that in your book, I learned that mediocrity is a choice. If someone is mediocre, if someone's not accomplishing, if someone feels lazy, if someone feels lazy and manifests, you know, and their life manifests their laziness, uh, I think that that you could argue that that just like happiness, that that is a choice. Can can we say that definitively? That mediocrity is a choice. Absolutely, you you framed my book better than I could have. <laughs> the, the answer is exactly that. That's where the word revealed is. It, it, it's all about bringing out your potential, and without a question, mediocrity is a choice. My kids know that Tati's not allergic to food. He's allergic to mediocrity. Yeah. I tell my kids all the time, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. Just don't be mediocre. It's just, funny. Just excel. It's excel. funny because in my house, the, the phrase is always work ethic. You know, again, pursue whatever you want, but but you know, take it seriously and go for it. You know, be passionate right. about it, and and again, that's that's I don't want to say a cure, but it's certainly you know a different path than a mediocre one would be. But why is there so much media? And and let's assume for a moment again, you're dealing with a lot of clients, a lot of people, a lot of people in the real world, quote unquote, who have made it. Is there a lot of mediocrity out there? So the the, the definition of mediocrity is gonna is gonna alter depending on the person. And there are certain parts of our life where we're extraordinary and certain parts of our life where we are mediocre and we've settled for just being average. And, and as I write in the book, successful living and really being fulfilled is coming to a place of self-actualization, which means that we've brought out the potential in all the areas of our life. And that's what, that's, I have a client, she's, she's turning, I mean, it's unbelievable, she's turning 92 and this woman doesn't stop. Things that she couldn't do last year, she can do this year. And she has a plan for next year and the year after and the year after that and the year after that. I've watched this woman become a sculptress at 87. I watched her write a book at 89. So there, people, people have to appreciate that time and life are so precious. You, you, actually, that, you actually write in the book you were frustrated with someone who said to you, well, I'm already 40 or 50, whatever the figure was, whatever the number was, but you felt that was a terrible response when you were asking about you know, their accomplishments and what they're trying to do. Exactly. Every day of life is precious. I mean, what difference does it make how old you are? We can accomplish with time the same no matter how old we are. So going back to your question, so... I have clients that are extraordinary in certain areas and could be making money, could be in philanthropy, but they have work to do in other areas, such as getting along with their children, right. such as you know treating their spouses with respect, or so on and so forth. And, and th- therefore, they are extraordinary and mediocre at the same time. So you know, the book is meant to open up the person to this vista, to this idea that potential lies in every area of their life and that they should be looking constantly for growth. Uh, you mentioned the categories that we're always striving for, and again, whether it's right to strive for them or not is another story, but the reality is we're always striving for money, right, wealth, and I think that we would say that's even beyond Parnassa because you probably have met people that have you know, money in the bank to live on and have a good Parnassa but feel it's never enough. Uh, the, you talk about fame and celebrity, right? You're always looking for a to advance in that area where – where you know people would, I guess we'd call it more notoriety. Would that be what the desire is to have more notoriety? 
Correct. And and that's and that's I guess again, just like money, not always a bad thing. Just depends on your approach to it, right? Depends on how exactly. you depends on how you view. Is, is there another category, or is, are those the two basic things that human beings, especially in this country, and the way the media brainwashes us, are those basically the two things that people are after? Yes, and I think you know probably pleasure. Right, um, right, right. I forgot, I forgot about rec- I forgot about recreation, and boy, do you give it to us over the head of the book about recreation time. the The U.S. Correct. the U.S. has destroyed the human neshama with, with the with the right. with the incredible uh, notion that one. And, I, and by the way, I'm not in any way minimizing you know getting away when necessary <laughs> and you know grabbing a break with your wife and family and you know having a nice vacation. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, uh, uh, of course. How recreation? Of course, I, I write. I, I quote Rosh Hashanah in the book, who says that you know the biggest challenge of today's generation is that we think we're here to have fun and enjoy ourselves, right? And 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 just take it easy. Um, but that doesn't bring fulfillment and pleasure because there's a That's difference. What I was because talking about before, because there's a difference between fun and happiness. That's correct. Right. That's correct. Yeah. No, that makes sense. There's a sense. big difference between entertainment and fulfillment. Right. Uh, you attribute it to the Satan, and and again in our uh, in our community uh, with our orientation that makes sense because we know that there is this evil inclination that's within us. But you mm-hmm. you attribute to the Satan quotes like "Oh, who has the time and energy? Oh, what's wrong with being average? Oh, it's just too difficult. I'm too strong. I'm, uh, uh, it's just too difficult. I meaning the Sutton. I'm too strong. You'll never succeed. Oh, I don't have any mazel. Right? The Sutton convinces you that that the stars are never aligned with you, and no matter what you touch, you know, it doesn't turn to gold. It you know goes the other way. It, it, I mean, this God put this in us, right? God put this 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 uh, unbelievable force. You know, even on the laziness front that you that you um, speak about. You know, it, as as much as one tries to convince themselves that this is a bad thing that I'm lounging around and doing nothing, uh, and to the detriment of my family, very often, right? You write about that how there are people who you know who need to get up, get a job, and, and make sure their family doesn't go homeless, and that doesn't in, inspire them enough to get out there. The power of this evil inclination is is enormous, and I think that that might be an important reality we have to face before trying to fix things, right? Yeah. So. Um... I, I turn the Sutton into my adversary, and I want to turn the Sutton into everyone's adversary, because as I write in the book, and I touch on some very deep things in there, we each have a very powerful sphere in us called Netzach, the, the, the sphere that drives us to win when we know we're in a competition. And I use this approach for myself and others so successfully. Most people associate those thoughts and those feelings and those put-downs with themselves, and therefore they tolerate them. And when you tolerate the voice of, I can't, someone else can, your life is going to be one long stream of mediocrity, if not worse. Yeah. So the way you turn that around is you start to recognize that you're in, a, you're in a battle, you're in a confrontation, and the last thing you want is your enemy to win. And the rebellion shall put the something in us, because that is how we earn the next world, and that is... That is the challenge that we overcome that builds us to be greater people. And I think that the thing that clicks in people's minds sometimes and that turns their life around, and I've seen this miraculously happen, is once I show them who they're listening to and what that thing wants their life to look like, that gets you angry 
and it should. It, it and should. And then you go to battle. But but that's but that's that's the fear. I think it should get you angry. I think unfortunately, in too many cases, it doesn't. Correct. But it should get you angry. And then you, if you if you don't realize who it is, you end up hating yourself. Yeah. You end up putting yourself down. It's not you. You, as I write in the book, and as I outlined in the beginning, you are much. You are beyond that, beyond any word. You are a Holy Spirit, and you have unbelievable potential and capability. Yeah. Something inside of you is trying not to let that happen. The book is called You Revealed. Naftali Horowitz is with us. There's two things I must get to before we wrap up. The first is, uh, I mean, look, I've been talking about, you know, so many things that your book is centered on. I I haven't even mentioned self-confidence yet. How, how, How does one... Um, and by the way, remember confidence, like many other things, is something that's deeply rooted. It could be from you know experiences from when you were a kid. Uh, it could be for the way you know parents handled somebody. I mean, you know, self confidence is one of those things that's really you know a lifetime battle. I would say, uh, somebody comes in and to you it's obvious that th- there's a lack of self confidence and this would be a tremendous boon for them if they were able to incorporate some confidence into their lives. What approach do you use? How do you get them to turn that around? So I had a long call yesterday. I've had several long calls the last few days with people that read the book and called me. And I would say that 75% of the people that I speak to that are struggling, struggle with self-confidence, self-esteem, um, confidence. There's so many words that we throw around. And right. it's, it's a topic for an entirely different book. Really, it is. And I don't really take that apart all that much because this book is meant to to really touch on those things without sounding like a a psychology book. Um, So the answer is, there are some very deep things in that book. And the first thing I want to encourage the reader is to learn the book. Uh, We're used to reading books and just, you know, we read them and we expect them to change us. But real change doesn't come from reading. It comes from learning. And many of the people that have written to me that have already read the book said, I read the book, and now I'm going back to learn the book. <laughs> so there's, there's several chapters in that book that really take apart from a deep, deeper sense what self-confidence and self-esteem is. And the way I wrote this book is the way I think. When, when I was a kid, I used to, you know, my, my father would say, oh, the vacuum cleaner's broken, and i try to figure out how the vacuum cleaner is supposed to work what are, the, what are the mechanics of a vacuum cleaner? And then I'd fix it. Um, and that's kind of the way I, I think about self. So where does confidence come from? Where does self-esteem come from? I write about that in the book. But I think the most powerful idea that I share in that book is in one of the deepest chapters that I wrote, rewrote probably ten times. And that's the idea of the ten spheros and the idea of building confidence by taking tasks and completing them. Any task. Confidence is built on success. Success is built on finishing something. It doesn't matter what it is. And when, when people look at this huge mountain called life, or whatever achievement they're trying to tackle, and it's this big overwhelming thing, they just cower away and go back to their comfort zone. Yeah. But when you give people tasks that are bite-sized, and that they can succeed at. It doesn't matter what it is. And they focus all their attention on succeeding at one thing. That begins the kernels of self-confidence. 
if I can do this, I can do that. If I can do that, I can do that. Because the person, you, right, because the person who feels they're overwhelmed or expresses that they're overwhelmed usually is looking at a much bigger picture than what you're describing. Exactly. And Rav Nachman of Bressel says it the best. He says that the Sutton wants us to look at this big thing and then just walk away. Hayoyim im tishmo, says Rav Nachman. What can you do today to live more successfully? Forget about tomorrow. The, the caller that I, the person I spoke to yesterday, kept saying, and what's going to happen after that? And what's going to happen after that? And I said, nothing's going to happen after that. We're just focused on today's daf. Forget about tomorrow's daf. Today's daf. Can we finish today's daf? Right. We can finish today's daf. <laughs> when you do that, one day you wake up and say, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm a different person. You know, I'm going to finish Shas. The famous, uh, the famous sports radio announcer, Art Russ Jr., used to end his show by saying, yesterday's a canceled check, tomorrow is a promissory note, today's all we've got. <laughs> so, exactly. And, by, and since you're in the world of finance, you, I'm sure you'll be inclined to use that quote now. But <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> but that is all we got. Finally, i, I got to ask you this before we wrap up. I mean, only because I think that, that this topic is really prevalent and one that people are concerned about, especially in our community where people, I think, don't really want to be lazy. I think people want to be motivated but find themselves in, in ruts at different times. You write on page 265, laziness is rooted in fear of failure. Could you just explain that, again, not medically, but could you explain the psychology? Why is it that somebody you know who who's acting in a lazy manner, it, it's much deeper than just, oh, I don't have the strength or energy or desire to get up and do something. It's rooted in a fear of failure. How do you reconcile that? So I dissect laziness into two categories. Um, there is there's the laziness that comes from wanting to underexert, feeling that comfort and pleasure and rest is a more comfortable place to be. That's one, one, one form of laziness. And the second one is fear of failure. The fear of failure is very, very deep-rooted. Deep down in the, in the subconscious of the person, they are afraid to think less of themselves, which is what will happen if they try and fail. So the expression of that is they're just lethargic, they're just hesitant, they procrastinate, and they themselves often don't know why. They, they'll tell you, well, I haven't made up my mind, or I'm too tired, or I'm, I'm, I'm unsure. And when you speak to them and you uncover and you unwrap what's really going on, they're just afraid of trying and failing. And then, and then what are they really afraid of? They're afraid that failure will tell them something about themselves that they don't want to know. Yeah. And they would rather not try, because not trying, to, in, in, that, in that state of mind, they think won't bring failure when we all know that brings even greater failure. So I've seen this in so many people. Once they face that fear of, you know, failure, and I would say, so what? Name me one successful person that doesn't have a string of failures, yeah. one after another. You, you have to embrace failure. Failure is your friend. Boy, <laughs> you, you heard that sigh, huh? <laughs> failure is your friend. Sometimes hard it, to believe, frankly. It is, but you know what? We read it in, 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 in the success books of others. Yeah, no question about it. I can write a book of 
just my failures. You know, it would be a lot thicker than the one you're reading now. You know, it's funny. You, you talk about our history, Tanakh, Talmud, etc. We, we have so many personalities who overcame this or overcame that. I don't remember ever reading about someone who overcame laziness in our tradition. Like, I don't remember that ever being a, a thing that, that they made it known that they were afraid of failure, that they, you know, would rather not pursue. And they went out. You know, it's funny because I could think of somebody that I know, you know, that I came across during my life who literally did what you just described, who was, who was you know, who, who became motivated to go and do something and accomplished a great deal. And when confronted with, you know, you of all people, I remember the first 20 years of your life, you were doing nothing. And, and it came out basically like, you know, I just went for it. I went for it and, uh, and overcame this fear that I had to, um, to do something and not have it be a great success. My and- wife came home yesterday, Nachum, from a, an event that she helped host. And she asked one of her friends to get up and speak. And uh, she got up and she did a marvelous job. And right after she finished speaking, one of the women came up to her and said, I can't believe you, you spoke. We were in high school. You never opened your mouth. And she said, right, that's when I was in high school. I'm no longer in high school. Right? So I remember the first time I had to speak in public. My yeah. father put me up when I was 11 years old by my father's yard side. Tinder. I had all my first cousins sitting there waiting for me to make a fool out of myself. It was the most difficult audience I've ever spoken of, and I failed miserably. That's it. That's, that is life. You fail miserably the first time, perhaps, or maybe not that miserably. <laughs> the successful people yeah. learn something, brush themselves off, and they get up and they try again. Yep. You go out on a limb because that's where all the fruit is, right? Exactly. You uh, have the best lines. I should have pulled the third of the book. It's all about age. Once you once you once you've been through the life experience of these years, you end up with a lot of good quotes. Uh you revealed is the name of the book, A Torah Path to a Life of Success. Naftali Horowitz is the author. Our friends at Artscroll have made it available worldwide at artscroll.com, and they've made it even more attractive for our listeners. When you go to the site, all of Artscroll's three thousand titles, including this one, Naftali Horowitz you revealed are available at 20% off and free shipping with no minimum if you use promo code radio. And as I always say, continue to use promo code radio all the time. Uh, we want to make sure to be able to bring you these types of uh, conversations uh, for a long, long time. They only enhance um, the, the both myself and the people listening in our audience. Naftali Horowitz, I wish you the best of luck with this. Uh, I, I would assume that, how long has this been out already, the book? About a week and a half to two weeks. And it sounds like you're getting amazing reaction already, so that's a good sign. Yes, Baruch Hashem. Thank you so much for your time, Nachum. I really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. It was really amazing, and uh, continued success, continued Hatzlacha to you. Naftali Horowitz, the book is You Revealed, and you're listening to a very special Wednesday edition of JM and the AM, and a reminder that our adventure through books continues this week. Tomorrow on this program in the 8 o'clock hour, it'll be the... Uh, It'll be one fifth of the of the crew of five accomplished ladies who are behind between carpools. Their book is called Dinner Done. It's a brand new cookbook. We explore it tomorrow in the eight o'clock hour with Leah Shapira right here at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Aftali Horowitz. The book is called You Revealed. Check it out by going to artscroll.com. Save on all three thousand titles on artscroll.com. Twenty percent with promo code radio. Also, it's a free shipping with promo code radio, and there is no minimum 
Check it out. Go to artschool.com. Use promo code radio. That does for this week's edition of JM Rewind. More coming up. Keep it right here on NSN, the Nahum Single Network.